<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirshner. In today's long-form weekend podcast, Glenn recaps some good news stories of the week, starting off with a fresh news story about D.C. Judge Tanya Chutkin already preparing for Donald Trump's trial to overturn the 2020 election. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Welcome to the weekend edition of Justice Matters, my audio podcast. And if you're a regular listener, you know that I typically start by saying on the weekends we try to air things out a bit. We try to do a deep dive into the legal stories of the past week. We try to sort of look to the week ahead to see what it might hold in store for us on the legal front. But friends, there's a story that just broke, just published by the Washington Post. And I wanna jump right into it because it might not seem all that earth shattering, but it's a really good news story on the legal front. I'm gonna be honest kind of gave me justice goosebumps when I just read it. And frankly, in today's episode, we're going to take on several good news stories on the legal front. And yes, I know we have been waiting too long for justice to come, right? We've been waiting for an eternity for accountability to come for Donald Trump and his criminal associates, his co-conspirators, his partners in crime some of whom are his formal co-defendants, now in a RICO prosecution down in Georgia. But you know, there's a saying about justice that sometimes justice seems to take forever, and then it comes all at once. Okay, I am not contending we are at the all at once stage, but we're moving in the right direction. You know, we really are getting there. So here's the story I want to start with, and it involves our countdown to justice. 97 days, depending on what day you're listening to this podcast, maybe 96 days. But from today, we have a countdown to justice. 97 days until what? Until jury selection starts in Donald Trump's criminal prosecution in Washington, D.C., being presided over by Judge Tanya Chutkin, in which Donald Trump is charged with four felony crimes for trying to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. Why 97 days, you might ask? Because if you're trying to quickly do the math in your head, you may recall that Judge Chutkin set the trial date to begin in Donald Trump's D.C. case for March 4th. You might be saying, well, wait wait a minute, Glenn, that's more than 97 days from now. Okay, friends, hold on tight, because here's the new article that was just published 
by the Washington Post. Headline, jury selection in Trump's D.C. criminal trial set to start February 9th. February 9th. 97 days from now, maybe 96, maybe 95. But wait a minute, wait a minute. We had heard that it was gonna start on March 4th. Now it's February 9th, about a month earlier. I know that may not seem like earth-shaking legal news, but it's important. She's actually moved things up a month. Here is how that article begins. Hundreds of Washingtonians will be called to the federal courthouse to answer written questions ahead of the election obstruction trial. A federal judge has scheduled jury selection to begin February 9th in former President Donald Trump's Washington, D.C. trial on charges of seeking to subvert the results of the 2020 election. U.S. District Judge Tanya Chutkin set the date for hundreds of district residents to be summoned to the federal courthouse to complete a written questionnaire about the case. The historic trial for the country's 45th president, who is also a leading candidate for the GOP presidential nomination in 2024, is set to begin March 4, after in-person questioning by prosecutors, Trump's defense attorneys, and the judge. Trump is seeking to postpone the trial. Shocking. That's my editorial edition. Trump is seeking to postpone the trial, arguing, among other things, that it raises novel and historic legal questions, such as his claim that former presidents remain absolutely immune from criminal prosecution after leaving the White House. I'm gonna stop there because I have to comment on that. There is no absolute immunity for a criminal who happened to formerly be president of the United States. Let me say it again. There is no absolute immunity against prosecuting a criminal former president. And the defense is full of nonsense when they claim there is. There is no law, there is no legal precedent, there is no constitutional provision that supports that nonsensical claim. I know it seems to be put in there for propaganda purposes, for disinformation purposes, because they wanna continue to deceive Donald Trump's base so they make the false claim, the unsupportable claim that a president has absolute immunity against prosecution. He doesn't. And I get so sick and tired of seeing propaganda in court filings because it's designed, it's not gonna mislead the judge. You know, who is it gonna mislead? It's gonna mislead any of the Trump supporters who might stumble upon it somehow. But I digress. Here's the good news. See, I, I wanted to make this an entirely good news segment, and there I go off the rails. Let me get back on track. Here's why this is good news. We knew that Judge Chutkin set the trial to begin on March 4th with jury selection. And, you know, technically speaking, I, I don't think she's changed that. I don't think she's necessarily moved the trial date proper 
up any earlier, but it's an indication that she wants to actually begin the jury selection process writ large a month earlier than March 4th, nearly a month, on February 9th. That is when jury selection will begin. The reason that's so important is it is a rock-solid sign that Judge Chutkin says what she means and means what she says when she says things like, and I quote, because I was in court and I heard her say it, this trial will not yield to an election cycle. That's a verbatim quote when Trump's lawyer kept trying to claim that the only way this case can be tried fairly is after the 2024 presidential election. She looked at him, she raised her voice a little, she got, as we say, she got a little bass in her voice, and she said, this trial will not yield to an election cycle. Amen. I've got to give her the hallelujah chorus on that. And now she's putting her judicial money where her mouth is, so to speak, and she said, actually, we're going to start the jury selection process writ large by bringing jurors into the process beginning February 9th. So we'll be ready to go by March 4th. And friends, the trial will only take about, I don't know, four weeks, five weeks, and then Donald Trump will be convicted by a jury of his peers so fast it will make his head spin. And if I could place my dollar bet, you know I'm not a gambling man, I'm not a high roller, one dollar is my betting limit, I will place the full buck on Donald Trump not only being convicted because the evidence, the admissible evidence that we'll see the inside of that courtroom is so damn overwhelming, but he will also be sentenced to prison, a very long prison term, and here is perhaps the most important part, one of the most important parts. I don't believe for a minute Judge Chutkin will allow him to remain on release pending appeal. I think she will treat him the way the criminal justice system treats 99 point something percent of the defendants who are convicted at trial and sentenced to prison. She will give him a date to promptly report to the Federal Bureau of Prisons to begin serving his sentence to confinement. Friends, I wouldn't say any of that if I didn't believe it to my core. Does it mean I will necessarily be right? Nope. Nope. But I think I am on this one. But, you know, look, I'm a human being, and I'm originally from New Jersey, so maybe I'm more prone to being wrong than others. Okay, bad joke. I shouldn't disrespect New Jersey that way, but I am a gutter kid from Jersey. I don't think I'm wrong about this one. I don't think I'm wrong about this one. So, <sighs> countdown to justice, 97 days. You know, let's get our justice on. Coming up after the break, October was a real gagapalooza for Donald Trump. Glenn breaks it down next on Justice Matters. Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I am loving the warmer weather and the sunnier skies. It makes you want to get out and move and get healthy. 
And you can help yourself get healthy and meet your wellness goals with no prep, no mess meals from Factormeals.com. There's a whole menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat in a well-balanced way. What's my favorite? I love the jalapeno lime cheddar chicken with spicy cilantro cauliflower rice. So flavorful and healthy, too. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash glen50 and use code glen50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's glen50 at factormeals.com slash glenn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. factormeals.com slash glen50. Go there. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. A few judges in Donald Trump's trials are drawing a line on his hateful speech and harmful posts on social media towards court staff and witnesses. Glenn says the big question is, what will happen to Trump when he violates the gag orders? Let's take on another good news story, friends, because Judge Chutkin also just reimposed her gag order on Donald Trump. You know, it's funny because each month on my um, Justice Matters channel on YouTube, I do a legal recap of all of the stories of the past month. And I just finished my legal recap for the month of October. And, you know, I had to observe that the month of October started with a New York judge gagging Donald Trump. And the month of October ended with a judge in Washington, D.C. gagging Donald Trump. So, all in all, it was a pretty good month. And Judge Chutkin, again, reimposed her gag order on Donald Trump. She paused it for a couple of days to give the defense an opportunity to see if he wanted to file an appeal, but then she reinstituted it. So as of right now, Donald Trump is restricted. He's restricted by that gag order. He is prohibited from talking about the witnesses against him or the subject matter of their testimony. He's prohibited from talking about the court's staff. He's prohibited from talking about the prosecutor and the prosecutor's team. And of course, the next logical question is when, not if, but when he violates Judge Chutkin's gag order, what's she gonna do about it? 
Yes, she can impose money fines the way Judge Ngoron up in New York has done, but that doesn't mean anything to Donald Trump, right? Probably tells his, you know, underlings, his flunkies, his lapdogs, hey, just run up to Trump Tower, rummage through the couch cushions and find me five grand or 10 grand to satisfy these piddly little money sanctions the New York judge imposed. I don't think Judge Chutkin is going to play that way. I think she may very well impose some deadly serious sanctions on Donald Trump when, not if, when he violates her gag order. And I do think that Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin are walking Donald Trump step by step ever closer to a jail cell pending trial before he even goes to trial and is convicted. And so if I were Donald Trump, I would not test Judge Chutkin's resolve to enforce her gag order in the most consequential way. That would be by revoking his pretrial release and detaining him pending trial. In other words, sitting his big orange butt in a jail cell pending trial. I think that's coming, friends. I think that's coming. But, you know, maybe Donald Trump will, you know, straighten up and fly right and abide by all restrictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here is the other footnote to the Judge Chutkin gag order update. Donald Trump just filed an appeal of the gag order seeking to have the D.C. Federal Circuit Court of Appeals review Judge Chutkin's order to see whether it's constitutional or not. And he asked the appellate court to again pause or stay or temporarily stop the gag order from you know, being in effect. And we don't yet know, because it was just filed, whether the appellate court will put a pause in place. I might put 25 cents of my $1 bet on the appellate court refusing to pause the gag order, but we'll probably know an answer to that question in the coming days. But again, another good news story, the gag order. Okay, friends, yet another good news story, another positive legal development involves the ongoing fraud trial in New York against Donald Trump and his spawn, Don Jr. Eric, Ivanka is no longer a defendant or a respondent in the case, but she will be testifying in the coming days. We're gonna talk about that in a minute because that is actually a very serious danger zone for her daddy and her brothers. We're gonna talk about why that is but, you know, we have now seen Don Jr. testify that even though, you know, he was the Trump organization, basically, he and his siblings, while daddy was president, he kind of had nothing to do with the Trump organization, even though he signed financial documents as the certifying officer, certifying that they were accurate he said, I, I don't know if they were accurate. Well, look, sport, your signature proves otherwise. 
I mean, this is theater of the absurd with a guy like Don Jr., little Donald Trump, saying things like, I had no idea what my accountants were putting in these financial statements. And when I signed them certifying they were accurate, I had no idea if they were accurate. You know, I just paid good money, millions of dollars to the accountants to do all this and get it right. Yeah, well, look, Don Jr., that ignores reality. Reality is, and I'm not an accountant, I can't even spell CPA, okay? I failed out of business school, true story, because I was enrolled in accounting and microeconomics or macroeconomics, one of those economics courses, failing it all miserably. Fortunately, fortunately, my faculty advisor was um, one of my mentors. Uh, his name was Clark Mollenhoff. He was a multiple Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist and just a, a lion of a human being in all the best ways. He was also a special press assistant to Richard Nixon when he was president until he turned on Nixon when Nixon started to decide it was okay for a president to engage in criminal activity and then he went after Nixon. So yes, he is a mentor and a personal hero of mine, may he rest in peace. He took me under his wing when I was in college. He said, Glenn, you suck at business. You are not doing well in your economics and accounting classes. I said, yes, sir, I'm with you. He said, so here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna change majors. You're gonna be a journalism major and you're gonna take all of my courses and you're gonna do just fine. And I said, yes, sir. And I became a journalism major. And I loved, loved the study of journalism. I didn't necessarily want to be a journalist, but you know, I will forever consider Professor Clark Mollenhoff to be one of my patron saints, because if it wasn't for him, I'm not sure where I would have ended up in college. So now circling back to the reality, when Don Jr. says, I don't know anything about the things I was certifying with my signature. Here's how reality works. When you hire accountants, you provide the accountants information. Like, for example, how big daddy's penthouse apartment is, how many square feet. And Trump and Donnie and Eric and the rest of them told the accountants, oh, um, yeah, daddy's penthouse apartment is 30,000 square feet. So go ahead and assess the value of it based on that square footage. The accountants put together the financial statements that reflected assessments and values based on the information that Don Jr. and the rest of them provided to the accountants. And then they gave the financial documents to Don Jr. and he certified them as accurate and Don Jr. says, well, yeah, this is all on the accountants. They're the bad guys and gals. They are the ones who messed everything up. Not me, not my brother, not my sister, not dad. Well, here's the thing. We have since learned, this is in the public reporting, that daddy's penthouse was about 10,000 square feet, a little over, not 30,000 square feet. So when the Trumps put garbage in, to 
the heads and the files of the accountants so garbage gets spit out that Don Jr. then certifies as accurate? Guess who's in trouble? Guess who engaged in fraud? Guess who's on trial to see how much he should have to disgorge, that is, pay back of the ill-gotten gains, the gains that were a product of their fraud? And guess who's on trial for possibly being banned from doing business in New York? Because that's part of the sanction that New York Attorney General Letitia James is seeking for Trump and company, banning them from doing business in New York. Well, it's Don Jr. and Eric and Daddy. So no, Don Jr., it's not the accountant's fault. It's your fault, more accurately, it's your fraud. I mean, unless you're gonna testify that, you know, the accountants took tape measures, went to Daddy's penthouse, and mismeasured to the tune of 20,000 square feet, they just happen to get it wrong. Okay, if you're gonna testify that they're the ones who mismeasured, maybe you've got a claim, but we all know that's not what happened. So the fraud trial that is underway and ongoing in New York is really bad news for Trump and his spawn, really bad news. And Don Jr. didn't perform well on the stand, and Eric Trump didn't perform well on the stand. But let's get to what is probably the most interesting upcoming testimony, and it's not Donald Trump himself. That will be interesting in the way it's always interesting to watch Donald Trump you know, fumble and mumble and bluster and get world leaders wrong and not know which world wars have been fought and which world wars have not yet been fought. I mean, this guy is sort of decompensating by the day. He's a mumbling, fumbling, you know, grumbling, hate-filled mess of a human being. Yes, his testimony will be interesting, you know, in the way it was kind of interesting to watch his deposition testimony in the E. Jean Carroll case when he said, and it's still hard to believe that we all heard this, but we did. He said it's traditionally been accurate that if you're famous, you get to grab women by the you-know-what, you get to sexually assault them. That's been true through history. And then Donald Trump said, unfortunately, or fortunately, yeah, Donald Trump said, fortunately, when you're famous like him, you get to sexually assault women. He attached the word fortunately to that alleged phenomenon, which is not a phenomenon, but he claimed it was, and he claimed to be the beneficiary of it. I mean, how is this human being allowed to walk among civilized society no less be president of the United States. So yes, it will be interesting to watch his testimony, but it probably won't be all that enlightening. It'll just be sort of typically horrifying. But let's talk about Ivanka's testimony. Here's why Ivanka's testimony is so potentially damaging to daddy. Now she's fighting mightily to avoid having to testify, but the courts, including the appellate court, keep shooting her down. Her latest one was, 
this is a weekday and the children have school, so I can't possibly, stop it, just stop it. Yes, trials occur on weekdays. And it's a shame that you don't have the resources to hire childcare. So she will hit the stand. And here is why I say her testimony could be so deeply damaging to daddy. Remember, during the January 6th House Select Committee hearings, she testified behind closed doors, but then the House Select Committee played for the public during those public hearings some of her testimony. And here's one of the things that she said that was so memorable, and I believe it strikes fear into the heart of Daddy and her brothers. When her father was yelling and screaming about how he won the election and the election was rigged and Joe Biden's win was the product of fraud. She said, you know, yeah, I've heard my father say that, but Bill Barr, his attorney general said, there was absolutely no evidence of widespread fraud undermining Joe Biden's win and my father's loss and I credited Bill Barr. In other words, dad, I'd like to introduce you to the undercarriage of the bus. So it sure seems like Ivanka is not only willing, but apparently entirely comfortable because she looked quite comfortable when she was throwing dad under the bus and saying, I credit Bill Barr, not my father. So I am very much looking forward to her testimony. Not that I enjoy you know, watching or listening to her, but because, you know, I think she could say some things that are deeply damaging to her dad, to her brothers, to the Trump organization. So stay tuned, friends, because I think we'll possibly be talking about that topic on next week's weekend audio podcast of Justice Matters. On the way, a lawsuit in Denver is one of several across the country arguing that Donald Trump is ineligible to hold office again. Glenn gives us an update on that trial next on Justice Matters. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. A group of voters in Colorado are seeking to see if Donald Trump is constitutionally disqualified from running for president again. Glenn asks, if he's found to be disqualified, will Trump's appeal to the Supreme Court be his ace in the hole? Okay, friends, if we're not already busting at the seams with all these good news justice stories, let's take on another one. Because a trial kicked off 
last week involving an attempt to keep Donald Trump's name off the presidential ballot in Colorado. Why? Because he engaged in insurrection. And the Constitution says, if you engage in insurrection, you can't be president. More precisely, it says that anybody who takes an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States and thereafter engages in insurrection or rebellion or gives aid and comfort to those who do, that person is disqualified to hold office again. Pretty plain and simple, black and white. Some might even say the original intent of the framers of the Constitution sets out clearly that engage in insurrection can't be president. Sounds like a common sense rule to me. Try to overthrow the government, you can't be head of the government. So there was a legal challenge, a legal suit filed in Colorado State Court. It was filed and is being prosecuted, it's not a crime, but being pursued by an organization called CREW, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, CREW. They brought the suit on behalf of some Colorado voters and they're seeking to simply assert the constitutional disqualification provision against Donald Trump. And witnesses have been testifying over the course of the week. Daniel Hodges, the police officer, who you've probably seen the famous and horrific pictures, the video of his head being crushed between a door and a door jam as the Trump supporters tried to crush him as they were attacking the Capitol. He testified about his experience. Representative Eric Swalwell testified about his experience and, quote, broke down from time to time relating to the judge who's presiding over this Colorado case about his experience on the floor of the House of Representatives as Trump supporters were banging and banging on the chamber's doors. And he and his colleagues were scrambling for gas masks until they were finally whisked to safety by law enforcement. I mean, just moments before it could have been the end, he was actually texting to his wife and others have testified during the course of the disqualification trial. And here's the thing, friends. We can't predict how the judge will rule, but I absolutely believe that the judge has all of the evidence she needs to conclude that Donald Trump indeed did engage in insurrection and did give aid and comfort to others who did the same. You know, and here's the thing, friends. The insurrection was a Trump production from start to finish. This was Donald Trump's insurrection. Why do I say that? Well, because we can start at the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden when Donald Trump was asked by the moderator to denounce white supremacy and white supremacist groups, and he didn't. Instead, he said, okay, Proud boys, stand back and stand by. That was Donald Trump recruiting insurrectionists. And then if we fast forward to December 19th, when Donald Trump tweeted, big protest in DC, January 6th, 
will be wild. He was setting the date for the insurrection and urging all of his foot soldiers to come and participate in an attack on our very democratic process, certifying the election win of his opponent. And then on January 6th, on the ellipse, in the early morning hours, Donald Trump gave his pre-insurrection pep rally. He incited everybody and whipped them up into an angry frenzy with lies about their vote being stolen, their election being rigged, their favorite president being taken away from them. And then he told that angry mob, some of whom were armed, and he knew it because the evidence is he was briefed on it. And when he was briefed on the fact that members of the crowd had firearms, he said, I don't care. They're not here to hurt me. Take the metal detectors down and then we can all march to the Capitol. So he was actually setting up an armed attack on the Capitol. Some might call that treason. And then he told them, you have to fight like hell or you won't have a country anymore. Now go to the Capitol and stop the certification. He said, stop the steal. And they did on his orders, on his command, at his direction, they attacked the Capitol. So he ordered the insurrection on the morning of January 6th. Then while the insurrection raged, right? He sat in that little dining room just off the Oval Office and people were streaming in saying, Mr. President, please tell them to stop. Give the order to stop the Capitol attack. And he said, no, because they're not wrong. And what did he do? He tweeted out Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what he should have done. In other words, corruptly install me for a second term as president. He inflamed incited, enraged, encouraged a continued attack on the Capitol. And that's when they started to hunt for Mike Pence, chanting, hang Mike Pence. That was Donald Trump's insurrection. And then when he finally called it off, or it had basically dwindled later in the day, and what does he do? He tells the insurrectionists, you're great people, we love you. Never forget what happened here that day. And ever since, he's been promising them pardons. He has been giving love and promises of pardons to the insurrectionists. You know what that is? That's giving aid and comfort, love and pardons to the insurrectionists. So friends, if we can recap, you know, and then we'll move back into that Colorado courtroom by which folks are trying to disqualify Donald Trump from being president again after he engaged in insurrection. Donald Trump recruited the insurrectionists. He set the date for the insurrection. He incited the insurrection. He engaged in insurrection. He launched the attack. He assisted the insurrection by refusing to call it off and actually fanning the flames against Mike Pence. And he gave aid and comfort and to this day is still giving aid and comfort to the insurrectionists. So will that judge in that Colorado courtroom with all of that evidence available to her conclude that Donald Trump 
engaged in insurrection, and so therefore he's disqualified from having his name placed on the presidential ballot in Colorado, I'll put a buck and a quarter on it. Hold on tight, friends. Donald Trump will be disqualified in state after state after state, I am convinced. And then next week, we're gonna talk about what happens when those cases in which Donald Trump has been disqualified by state court judges make their way to the Supreme Court. Spoiler alert, I don't think the Supreme Court will be interested in installing an aspiring dictator into the Oval Office for a second term. Because if there's one thing a dictator has absolutely no interest in, it's a Supreme Court whose rulings stand above and beyond the reach of a president who views himself as a dictator. But we'll talk more about that next week. After the break, during a campaign rally, Donald Trump made fun of Mike Pence for dropping out of the presidential primary race. Glenn talks about this next on Justice Matters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Former Vice President Mike Pence has dropped out of the Republican presidential race, but he still remains an important witness. Glenn explains he'll have the last laugh when he's called to testify against Trump in the upcoming trials. Okay, friends, one more good news story on the legal front. I don't know if you saw Donald Trump at one of his latest hate rallies take on the topic of Mike Pence dropping out of the presidential race. You know, I wouldn't recommend you, you know, go and try to watch a recording of Trump's hate rally, but let me share with you the one thing he said about Mike Pence that will come back to haunt him. He said, oh, Mike Pence dropped out of the race, and he was mocking Mike Pence, and as he was mocking Mike Pence, one of the folks in the crowd shouted out loudly and audibly, traitor. Mike Pence is a traitor. And what does Donald Trump do at that moment? He laughs. He laughs. And he said, (laughs) he said, traitor. And then he said, well, basically affirming in substance that, yeah, of course, Mike Pence is a traitor because he says, yeah, you know, he could have done what he could have done, right? No doubt about that. 
In other words, what was Donald Trump conveying? That Mike Pence was a traitor because he did not corruptly throw the election to Donald Trump. He could have done what he could have done, right? No doubt about that. So this is Donald Trump continuing to claim that the election was stolen from him, basically continuing to perpetrate the big lie. So Donald Trump may have felt good in the moment, mocking Mike Pence and laughing about how he's a traitor and continuing to push the big lie. But guess who's going to get the last word, if not the last laugh? Mike Pence. Here's how. Mike Pence will be a marquee prosecution witness against Donald Trump in Trump's case in Washington, D.C. for trying to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Just some of the evidence, the sharply and directly incriminating evidence that Mike Pence will provide under oath in that Washington, D.C. courtroom will include his testimony that he's already laid out in his books, he being Mike Pence, and in media interviews he's given that Donald Trump waged a relentless pressure campaign on Mike Pence to break the law, to violate the Electoral Count Act, to refuse to certify Joe Biden's election win and corruptly throw the election to Donald Trump. Donald Trump waged a relentless and illegal pressure campaign against Mike Pence. Fortunately, Mike Pence did not bend to the will or the whims of a corrupt president. And even beyond that deeply damaging testimony, Mike Pence said, you know, Donald Trump, when I told him I basically would not do what he was insisting and demanding I do. Trump actually at one point said, well, if you're not going to do this, you're not going to throw me the election, then I don't want to be your friend anymore. What are we, 12? Are we nine? With apologies to 12 and nine-year-olds. But then Donald Trump said something that's so important from an evidentiary perspective. He said, well, you know what your problem is, Mike? You're too honest. Those three words Friends, take it from this old career prosecutor. You're too honest. They provide evidence of Donald Trump's criminal intent, his guilty state of mind, his corrupt mens rea, because by telling Mike Pence, if you won't do what I'm telling you to do and install me in the Oval Office for a second term, it's because you're too honest. What Donald Trump conveyed with those three words is that he knew that what he was telling Pence to do required dishonesty. And those three words, and so many other words spoken by Donald Trump, will crush him in court, crush him in the eyes of those 12 citizens sitting in that wooden box as the conscience of the community judging one of their fellow citizens, those three words will crush him. You know, and those three words actually dovetail nicely with some of the evidence that will be introduced against him by Republican witnesses. Because the other statement from Donald Trump that is so deeply damaging and so conclusively proves his criminal intent, 
It's when Donald Trump said in an Oval Office meeting to his DOJ officials, I don't care if there was no fraud undermining the election's results. Just say there was and leave the rest to me and my Republican allies in Congress. That phrase proves beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump's intent was corrupt, was criminal. He had a guilty state of mind because he didn't care anything about election fraud, didn't matter. Just say there was and leave the rest to me and my allies in Congress. Allies in Congress, friends who went on to ask for pardons because they knew they'd committed crimes on and around January 6th and they wanted to get away with those crimes and they still haven't been held accountable. Accountability better come for the insurrectionists in Congress who continue to try to kill our democracy from within. Accountability better come for them. Friends, I think we're gonna leave it there. We covered a lot of good news stories. I feel like today's podcast was a bit of an outlier because often the news on the legal front is a little bit more mixed, a little bit more bleak, but you know, these really were good news stories. And again, I kind of feel like the snowball of accountability continues to roll in the right direction, gathering speed, gathering mass, February 9, not March 4, February 9, we're gonna begin jury selection, 97 days, countdown to justice. These are good things, you know? These are the kind of developments that give me some hope that we really are on the road to rebuilding respect for the rule of law, rebuilding the legitimacy and the confidence that the people have in our institutions of government, and sort of rebuilding and revitalizing the hope and the prospect of justice. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, thank you for tuning in to my weekend podcast. If you'd like to find my content elsewhere, you can Come on over to YouTube, to my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. I post a daily legal analysis video on my YouTube channel every day. If you'd like to more formally support our all-volunteer efforts, our mission, our content, you can come on over to patreon.com. You can sign up to become a patron, and if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks, and you'll get all kinds of behind-the-scenes looks at what we do here at Justice Matters. So friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.